You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer powered, listener supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon from the studios of Community Radio 91.3 FM, reporting live for WFHB. This is Charlotte Wagermiller. And I'm Jordan Jammer. This is the WFHB Local News for Friday, February 14th, 2020. Coming up in the next half hour, WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner looks into the Indiana Forest Alliance about regulation and logging in the Lake Monroe watershed. It's my understanding that they were actually confused initially, thinking that it was in a different watershed, but it is actually in the Lake Monroe watershed. That was Conservation Director Ray Schnapp of the Indiana Forest Alliance. Also coming up in the next half hour, our consumer watchdog segment, Better Beware, but first your local headlines. Black Lives Matter Bloomington called for a total boycott of the Herald Times and the Bloomington Farmer's Market. The organization called for the boycott on their website in response to a feature published by the Herald Times earlier this month about Schooner Creek Farms owner, Sarah Dye. Dye is a self-admitted American identitarian and is reported to have connections to white supremacists. Schooner Creek Farms' inclusion in the Bloomington Farmers Market has led to several protests over the past year demanding their removal. Black Lives Matter described the Herald Times article as, quote, a front-page love letter, unquote, to die, and that the newspaper was supporting white supremacy in Bloomington by publishing it. They called for all Herald Times subscribers to cancel their subscriptions and for businesses to cease involvement with them. Black Lives Matter also criticized the city of Bloomington for their handling of the farmer's market. They specifically called attention to about $100,000 increase in security for the market, disputing the city's assertions that this improved safety. Black Lives Matter called for the city to divest from the market as well as a complete boycott of the market. Black Lives Matter has advocated for farmers market attendees to instead support the new East Side Market, which is run by farmers and vendors rather than the city. Monroe County Solid Waste Management Executive Director Tom McGlasson said Republic Services will no longer accept styrofoam recycling. He said many recycling firms have discontinued styrofoam acceptance during the February 13th Solid Waste Management District meeting. Board member Isabel Piedmont-Smith asked McGlasson about repercussions. Well, I think Dan brought up a good point. We don't want our whole bin of of plastics to go into the landfill. So is that, do we risk having that happen if we don't, if we keep accepting styrofoam? Yeah, I think that that's a risk regardless of what vendors are available to us in this area you know we would use if, if this became you know something that uh, you know made us move away from republic I, like i said before i don't think on the back end of something like that with regard to styrofoam we're going to wind up in any better scenario than we currently are right now board member penny githens said the signed contract was intended to continue through april Lawyer Michael Carman said a contract amendment would be needed. McGlasson said no large cost difference would result from a contract amendment. He said PSAs will begin in March. County Health Administrator Penny Cadill 
requested approval of a syringe service program additional appropriation to the Monroe County Council. The fund amount is $15,000 from the Health Foundation of Greater Indianapolis. Councilwoman Marty Hawk said program cleanup was disappointing at the February 11th meeting. We felt more like it was going to be a syringe exchange. And I really regret to say we're not seeing an exchange. Um, the only way it gets exchanged is if citizens are out there picking up or somebody volunteering picking up these needles that are everywhere. And so it's hard for me to support this. On the other hand, I, I know that it does uh, assist in what we'd hoped to do, which was try to keep down any kind of spread of disease through spreading it with needles. But I just think it's so regrettable that that they're just throwing around everywhere for our children to be able to, they can't walk to school or they can't go to the parks, they can't walk out near the lake. Cuddell said the program focuses on syringe services. She said one-to-one -one exchange rates are a misconception. Cadell explained larger improper disposal reasons. The biggest reason we have this uh, improperly disposed of needles is because we have a state that makes it a federal offense, that it is a felony to ha hang on to that. And so people will discard them if they are fearful that they're going to be arrested. And when you look at other communities that have syringe programs and do not have that felony, they don't have the issue. Cadell said safe disposal will increase with disposal units installation. Commissioner Eric Spoonmore said disease transmission from a needle prick has low chance. Commissioners unanimously approved the request. In the presidential debates, conversations become heated when talking about student loans. Online student debt resource, Student Loan Hero, published a survey that found three-quarters of respondents would be more likely to support a presidential candidate who calls for mass student loan forgiveness. Moreover, the survey found almost half of its respondents feel that lowering the cost of college tuition would be the most effective fix to the student loan crisis over loan forgiveness. The average loan amount for all undergraduates at Indiana University Bloomington is about $6,500 per year. Reported by online student loan database, College Factual, 29% of all undergrads at IU Bloomington utilize federal student loans to pay for college. Four years of borrowing the average amount of student loans at IU Bloomington results in a total of over $26,000. According to the Student Loan Hero survey, 31% of respondents blame colleges and universities well, 27% of respondents blame the government. However, Indiana University said the number of student loans at IU continue to fall. In a press release, the university said the amount continues a downward trend, quote, falling $13.6 million between the most recently reported academic years from the U.S. Department of Education from the 2016 to 17 academic year to the 2017 to 2018 school year, end quote. The National Center for Education Statistics reports 59.1% of undergrad students received scholarships and grants to attend college. Democratic candidates for president, such as Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, call for student loan forgiveness. Current U.S. President Donald Trump called to cut funding to student loan forgiveness programs already in place. 
Bloomington City Council discussed a non-consensual towing addition to the Bloomington Municipal Code. Deputy Attorney Stephen Lucas spoke about the purpose of the amendment during the February 12th meeting. Uh, the purpose of this ordinance as stated in the whereas clauses uh, would be to primarily prevent predatory practices. And these predatory practices uh, certainly aren't something that all tow companies engage in. Uh, we're not saying that at all, but these are the practices that we're trying to discourage. And those practices would be to refu refusing to release a vehicle before it's been removed from private property, uh, towing vehicles a great distance, engaging in kickback arrangements, or charging uh, exorbitant uh, storage or towing fees. Lucas said conflict reduction and consumer protection benefit from the amendment. He said towing inflicted damage would be the business owner's responsibility. Lucas said 24-hour notice is not required for emergency towing of abandoned vehicles. In an emergency situation, and an emergency situation is defined as a vehicle that uh, interferes with a, a property owner's business operations uh, or presents a, a hazard to, to health or safety. Council members voted to raise base towing fees to $135. Council member Jim Sims said the base fee is consistent with Indiana University and Monroe County. Sims introduced a non-consensual tow business licensing amendment. Denial or renewal of license. The license administrator may decline to issue or renew a license issued under this chapter if the license administrator administrator finds one the applicant has previously violated any provision of this chapter and has issued either an official warning or has been subject to any of the penalties listed under bloomington municipal code 4.32.160 a or number two the applicant has been previously found to be in violation of any other similar law promulgated by a different governmental entity or number three the applicant has previously had a license issued under this chapter suspended or revoked. Stryker towing owner Max Stryker questioned who monitors and enforces tow warnings which result in a suspended license. City attorney Mike Roker said the process is complaint and investigation driven. Lucas said only non-consensual tows apply to this licensing scheme. Roker said other licensing regimes do not deviate from the presented scheme. And, and the, these provisions don't deviate from the other licensing regimes in the code in any significant way, particularly if we're going to talk about Amendment 2 when we're talking about a non-renewal or a revocation of a food truck license or a scooter license or a taxicab license or a solicitor license or a pawnbroker license. And if you were to go to Terre Haute or Columbus or <clears throat> South Bend or Indianapolis, you'd find that their license provisions look the same way as well. So... Council members approve the licensing amendment. Council member Steve Bolin introduces an administrative fee amendment. Tower Jake Padawan said a $65 towing administration fee should be enforced. Stryker explained a need for higher administrative costs. Um, we have to keep more records. I have to buy cameras now for the back of my trucks, the front of my trucks, side of my trucks to get video of these vehicles. The driver has to take more time and take photographs. Roker said set maximums are likely what will be charged. Sims said administrative fees are not fair to the community. Volan withdrew the administrative fee amendment. Council members approved a committee of the whole recommendation do pass as amended. The county and city discussed convention center property transfers at a convention center joint session. 
land would be transferred to a capital improvement board to control the convention center expansion. Commissioner Julie Thomas spoke about potential county and city land transfer differences. We have two very, very different maps. Um, I will just highlight uh, the differences for the public who may be watching. Um, the city's map would require the county to turn over, um, and I will just speak about these areas generally because uh, we all have the maps in front of us. The uh, North Walnut Visitor Center, the area the county owns west of the Beeline Trail, um, and the area east of the current convention center and the area south of the current convention center. The county's version- Plus, plus the convention center. Well, plus a convention center, yeah. of course. Uh, the county's version, of course, has a convention center um, and um, the area east of the convention center marked, and that's it. Thomas said southern expansion is not an option. She said the county's map only included necessary expansion property. Mayor John Hamilton said innkeepers tax purchased property to the south. He stated the CIB should obtain all property purchased by innkeepers tax. County attorney Margie Rice said other projects can be can use innkeepers tax. For other projects that are broader than the convention center, it may very well be that that land could be repurposed or sold and those proceeds go for some other project that the county uh, anticipates having in the future. So, you know, to be real honest, I think that it's nobody's got a crystal ball to know if you are going to go all the way down to second street and the idea being that you know this convention center was going to go south and now it's headed north and it might head west so we don't we did not want to put in anything that is not necessary and again the county's not holding anything but back that's not needed for the project we're giving what's needed for the project county commissioner penny Givens expressed concern of the southern property sitting undeveloped if the cib does not utilize it Mayor Hamilton said additional CIB expansion funds could be obtained by selling Visit Bloomington property. County Councilor Eric Spoonmore said current dedicated CIB funds are sufficient. Thomas expressed concerns for selling. I have a concern about um, um, the CIB selling land um, because they would fold that money into uh, they'd have to fold that money into the convention center, but we have a set, a set cost for that convention center and um, anything that that land is used for needs to be, uh, because of how it was purchased, needs to be, um, uh, that asset needs to be utilized for economic development and tourism. I mean, that's, that's our guideline. And Rice enforced the importance of focusing on property that has previously been agreed necessary. She said time spent disagreeing could impair previously made agreements. The next joint convention center meeting will potentially take place on March 2nd. A Senate bill that would reduce the minimum age for children to enter the Indiana Department of Correction from 13 to 12 years old was passed last week in a 31 to 18 vote. Senate Bill 449 was authored by State Senators Aaron Houchin, Michael Young and Aaron Freeman, according to the South Bend Tribune, a Marion County juvenile court judge said a concern of the bill was that people's brains are not fully developed until they are 25 years old. The judge, Marilyn Moores, was affected by the criminal justice system as a child, and Judge Moores 
voiced her opposition to the bill at the State House last month, along with more than a dozen people who had run-ins with the criminal justice system as children. In addition to lowering the age, the bill allows Indiana courts to put a child in jail for up to six years. The list of crimes that could send a child to jail include an attempt to commit murder, rape, kidnapping, and armed robbery. St. Joseph County Prosecutor Ken Cotter supports the bill, but he said it should be used sparingly. He said, quote, 99.9% of the time, what we need to do is give juveniles care and support from the community, end quote. Senate Bill 449 was referred to in the Indiana House of Representatives last week. It was given a first reading to the House on Tuesday. Now it's time for your road report. As for road closings, Mount Gilead Road will be closed on Tuesday, February 18th overnight for culvert replacement. Burma Road will also be closed on Wednesday, February 19th overnight for culvert replacement. Old Dutch Church Road will be closed for bridge construction beginning on Monday, February 20th for 90 days, according to the Monroe County Highway Department. Weddell Brothers Construction will be realigning and constructing the intersection of Curry Pike and Johnson Drive. Expect delays and possible lane restriction. Liberty Hollow Road will have lane restrictions on Friday for bridge maintenance. Crews will be removing trees on Ketchum Road during the week of February 17th to the 21st. There will be lane restrictions with traffic control on site. That's all for your road report. Now it's time to dive into our feature reports. WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner provides today's feature report, talking with the Indiana Forest Alliance about the Houston South Restoration Project. When most people think of Indiana's landscape, they picture cornfields and flat terrain. Surprisingly, Indiana used to be almost completely covered with forests and wildlife, with a limited space filled by bare hills. Indiana's forest cover pre-settlement is estimated to be around 85%. By the early 1900s, it was at 7%. Though the urban population density has increased more and more, leaving forests less lush, Indiana still has forests to admire. In Monroe County, the Hoosier National Forest provides a unique ecosystem for Indiana residents with more than 200,000 acres comprising about half of the total public forest land in Indiana. In order to maintain a forest so large, specific procedures need to be done. Examples are prescribed fires, planting, thinning, or harvesting trees. This can also be known as silviculture. However, in other instances, forests may be used for wood resources or for other specific maintenance purposes. This can be known as logging. Logging can contribute to deforestation and forest degradation, which can lead to a change in the ecosystems and a decrease in biodiversity. The Houston South Vegetation Management and Restoration Project is a forest management proposal mainly for the regulation and logging of 4,375 acres in the Lake Monroe watershed, specifically in the northwest corner of Jackson County and a small portion of the northeast corner of Lawrence County. According to USDA, the project was created to treat vegetation and conduct related management activities to improve forest health and sustainability of the oak hickory ecosystems, while also improving wildlife habitat. However, many local individuals, organizations, and commissioners objected to this project in concerns of effects on the surrounding communities. 
The Indiana Forest Alliance is a nonprofit statewide organization working to protect and restore Indiana's forests. According to their webpage, the organization was founded in 1966 with the vision of a reforested Indiana where the natural ecosystems are protected, where Hoosiers can enjoy a natural sanctuary in the complex modern world, and where harvests of our unique hardwoods are genuinely sustainable. Conservation Director of the Indiana Forest Alliance, Ray Schnapp, has been working with the organization for three years to, quote, protect the forests and promote restoration, end quote. The Indiana Forest Alliance has been documenting the wildlife that lives in the Hoosier National Forest. Schnapp said, quote, a big concern is that there's going to be logging and burning in this area that is a really good habitat for endangered species of bats, end quote. There are currently seven species of bats in the Houston South area that are listed as endangered species. Schnapp explains that with the white nose disease, populations declined, quote, really precipitously, end quote. The team surveyed the area to see if any bats were still present in the forests and found reproducing populations of the northern long-eared bats. However, with the plan of this project, Schnapp expressed her concern for what this would do to those surviving bats. Northern long-eared bats used to be everywhere, and now there are very few. And uh, we know that they're reproducing in this forest. So, you know, so why should we log and burn in this forest when that species is imperiled so much? The area was picked for logging, saying that there was a confusion about whether the area was even in the Lake Monroe watershed. She also explained why many citizens and members of the city government in Bloomington have been concerned about the location and the U.S. Forest Service's admincy on the project. It's my understanding that they were actually confused initially, thinking that it was in a different watershed, but it is actually in the Lake Monroe watershed. And I don't know, it's like it, once they had their eye on this area, they just didn't seem to be very willing to look at other areas that they could harvest from. And we've presented a lot of arguments against it, of course, but there's a big population in the city of Bloomington that is dependent on that water supply, and they're going to mess with it. They're going to change it and disturb it. And that disturbance is a big cause for concern, and the both the city and the county government have weighed in, um, asking them to reconsider, but the Forest Service has um, basically rejected their arguments. The Lake Monroe watershed is a 441-square-mile drainage area for Lake Monroe, including Monroe, Brown, Lawrence, Jackson, and Bartholomew County. Many concerns for the Houston South Forest Project were derived from worries about how close the watershed is to the lake. Bloomington, Indiana began using Lake Monroe as a drinking water source in 1967. In terms of water pollution from logging, this would most likely occur from erosion. Erosion happens when land is exposed from less trees in the area and makes it easier for water and chemicals to run into the local waterways. Forest officials have stated that they plan to use efficient management practices to ensure no harm comes to the watershed. Schnapp explains reasoning to why they might be saying this, but explains that erosion will still happen no matter how careful services are. They did a study in Kentucky where they found that the suspended sediment, which is soil that has washed off the land, was 14 times higher in a watershed where logging occurred than in an unlogged watershed. So they have these practices that are called best management practices that they can use to help prevent 
erosion of the soil, but they're not 100% effective. So there's going to be some erosion. It's inevitable. And no matter how careful they are, they're going to be disturbing the soil. And these are fragile ecosystems. So we just think that they should do that logging in some other watershed. Schnapp goes on to express the extreme impacts that this erosion can have, including the man-made lake tilting in. Erosion is um, shortening the life of the lake. And what are we going to do when that lake is silted in? And it'll especially impact people who are boating and hiking. And I think that those impacts will be long-lasting. One of the plans listed in the management project for Houston South is the burning of 13,000 acres, which Schnapp says won't be burned at once. However, she says there has been talk of the burns happening during the summer, which could heavily impact species that breed during this time. And they're planning to burn now in the Hoosier National Forest, they're planning to burn um, a pretty large area, 13,000 acres is specified, and it won't be all burned at once, they'll do it in sections make it more manageable, no doubt. But they're talking about burning in the summer, which is bat breeding season. So we're concerned about that, about all the species that would be impacted by the burning. I mean, birds, they could fly away maybe, but not if they have nests. And the same with bats. The adults could fly away, but the babies may be killed by the smoke and the fire. And then there are lots of ground-dwelling species like turtles and salamanders that will just get burned up. And um, that's a big concern, especially for species that are endangered or threatened, like even the eastern box turtle that used to be very common but is now um, considered a sensitive species because of habitat loss. Schnapp explains that there are many different ways to manage forests. However, people within the agency tend to use the word management when logging forests, which is not always the same, she says. She explains that the forest officials don't believe there is enough young forest, so they need to clear out the old trees. One of the other reasons, Schnapp says, for managing the forest is to make way for oak trees that are a, quote, marketable species, end quote. She says that many native species are cut from the forest because they aren't as profitable. There's lots of different ways to manage a forest, and they can be managed for wildlife habitat or recreational use, but we get sort of caught up in this little trap, maybe, where we tend to use the word management to mean logging, and it doesn't have to mean that, but that's often the way it's used, especially by people within the agency. And their idea of management, for one thing, is they say that there's not enough young for us, so there needs to be more cutting and clearing in order to allow young forest to emerge. And then they're also managing it to create more habitat for oak, because oak is a marketable species. And there's kind of like a discrimination against native species that are perfectly good trees, but they're not marketable. Sassafras and pawpaw and things like that, there's not much market for those. So they will often girdle them and kill them intentionally because they're trying to make the forest more profitable. Schnapp states that there's no reason why these trees should be cut down, saying that it should be happening naturally and followed the cycle of the forest ecosystem. She explains how this supports the food chain in return. We think that that happens naturally in an old forest when big trees 
fall down. You know, when they die, they in their standing dead trees are really, really useful as roost trees for bats and birds. And, you know, that's part of the ecosystem. And then when those big trees fall, they create openings and young trees can emerge into them. And um, that is just part of the cycle. And some people would say that fallen tree is wasted, but really downed logs are a super important part of the forest ecosystem. And insects that feed on wood and small mammals too, uh, which often eat the insects, um, those are the foundation of the forest food chain. So downed logs are not wasted. They're food. And that's what keeps the forest going. On January 31st, a letter was sent from the Monroe County Commissioners, Monroe County Council, and the Monroe County Environmental Commission, requesting Forest Service officials to consider various information before proceeding with the restoration project. The Indiana Forest Alliance was part of that letter. Schnapp states that they asked for a compromise in light of such a huge project. However, a response has yet to be heard. She says this is a big issue that people are keeping an eye on, especially because of the suspense in the U.S. Forest Service officials' response. Well, we sent a letter to the U.S. Forest Service asking for more time and also uh, proposing some compromise where, um, you know, maybe they would burn less and burn not in the summer and limit the logging to certain areas, remove the non-native pine trees, um, but don't do the other harvesting, things like that. We, we propose a compromise, and they have not responded to that yet. So indications are the uh, forest manager has told us that they're not going to consider our requests for reducing the area of the logging, but uh, they haven't made their final decision yet, so there's still time. And I know that the Forest Service has been hearing from uh, some congressmen even, so people are, are watching this pretty closely. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Andrew McKeeran, Cade Young, and Sydney Foreman in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Katrine Bruner. Our engineers today are Sydney Foreman and Cade Young. Our new theme music is produced.